When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good bye week Tuesday. Eagles fans, appreciate you jumping in with us here on Birds 365 as we get closer. We're still not close, but closer to the Eagles Act going back to playing football against the Chiefs in Kansas City on Monday night. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, hanging with you. We'll punch up two uh, Eagle guests for you over the next two hours. Uh, Johnny Mac, still no Eagle action. They, uh, I'm going to ask you about the churn at the back end of the roster here, but... Uh, no practice yet, no meetings yet, uh, no chance to interact with any of the Eagle players. What do you do on your off day Monday? Uh, I don't have off days. I'm not collectively bargained into off days, uh, Jody. We got to well, do the show. You didn't have to get day. in the car and go over to South Philly. So no, all... did not have to get to go in the car to go to South Philly. I got to get in the car to do a bunch of other stuff, but not South Philly. So that, uh, yeah, that's always nice when you don't have to go over the bridge and, uh, you know, hit the easy pass, constantly hitting, bang. You go, where'd that come from? Where'd that 75 bucks go? Where'd that 75 but I digress. They they add up quickly, those easy pass charges, especially when you still got your daughter on your pass. Uh, oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. She, she's a down-the-shore girl, so we keep funding that, that account. Um, yeah, you, you know what I did yesterday? I got exercise, good cardio. 
leaf raking. Which yeah, well, yeah, I got. I I can show you the blister on my hand, my soft hand, my girly soft hands are not used to doing manual Manual labor. labor, So spent too much time outside raking leaves yesterday. But uh, uh, we we're we're trying to stay in game day shape. The question is, will the Eagles when they get back to practice this week? Again, John and I both uh, harp on this. The Eagles get days off like everybody else the whole mentality of oh they should lock themselves in a facility for the two weeks so they could be better for it you got to be a little bit realistic here the downtime can help some guys just need to get out and clear their heads and get away from football and then hopefully they come back and they are uh fully fledged and in it and dive in with both feet if i had to ask you one guy on the philadelphia eagles who you think needed the mental break to get away for seven, eight, nine days, whatever it is, and not worry about football, but then be able to jump back in with both feet. Who do you think the guy would be? Who would benefit the best? Ooh, that's a tough question. Being away. Who's, uh, you know, I would say it's got to be a struggling player. I, I would say, it, but he's not healthy. I would say Quez or maybe Derek Barnett, Derek. Derek needs to get out of Philadelphia. Let's be honest. I mean, it's it's not working for him. But uh, I I would say somebody like that uh, needs the pause button. Um, but, you know, this team's pretty mentally strong, and they've been pretty good for two seasons. So, I mean, who's having it? You know, James Bradbury, we talked about a little bit. But he's such a mentally tough player. Like, I, I don't think it bothers him. Um, process-driven, as they say, uh, which has become a cliche in the NFL. I, I, you know, I, I took some of my time uh, to look at other coaches' uh, post-game press conferences when they put them up there. They're all the same, Jody. So it's unbelievable. Um, I, if I hear process-driven again, I, I, I might, I might lose it. Um, it's like a it's like a bunch of robot automatrons, um, and I get it, but you know. Anyway, I I digress, but um, so I I you know is any who else is struggling? Um, any guys from the slot? You could throw yeah, but they're it. young. I, I think they're young players. I think they don't even know yet. And, and by the way, with Sidney Brown and Eli Ricks, I mean, they never even played the position before. I mean, they're they're. I think it's kind of built into the expectations are going to be a little bit limited, at least with the coaching staff, maybe not with the fan base. Um, so I don't think anybody's looking at those two guys and saying, ooh, um, they're just, I think it's the other way. I think the organization says, thanks for persevering. Thanks for doing something that you're not used to. Thanks for being out of your comfort zone. Be willing to do it. Because we've seen in the past a guy like Andre Dillard is like, oh, I can't move from the left side to the right side and kind of gave up. Um, the fact that they're in there fighting, I think, is enough for certainly the organization and they'll get a nice hat tip as Bradley Roby comes back into the lineup. Um, so, I mean, I, I would say Barnett. 
I would say, because he's he's turned from nice guy to angry guy because of everything he's gone through, been through, partially um, his fault, partially others' fault, but nonetheless, it is what it is. I would I would say him. Yeah, and if he gets another DNP coach's decision, you you kind of gave him a backdoor out last week that they had to have. Ben Van Sumeren on the roster because the Cowboys were such a threat as a special teams return. Well, team. let, let, I didn't give him an out. I said, I just want to wait a week because I do know they were worried about uh, the Cowboys special teams. I'm not, I'm not saying that's why they did it. I just want to see if that's why they did it because Van Sumeren came out of nowhere. It's like, what, why is this guy getting elevated? And he's a tremendous athlete, and he can just run, and he's a freak. He's an athletic freak. And I know from talking to Michael Clay, they were really worried about the Cowboys' special teams. John Fossil's the best special teams coordinator in the NFL. If he's not, it's probably Dave Phipp, who used to be here. Um, and and their kick returner, uh, uh, Turpin, is tremendous and and – even though it's not a, a play that gets used all that much, you want to use the touchback as much as humanly possible. If you get a miss hit or something, he's a guy who can make you pay. And there aren't a lot of those guys in the NFL any longer because nobody cares about the position because they barely use the position. They'd rather take the ball to 25 and all that kind of stuff. So that's my personal belief. I want to wait a week and say – and see if they if he's another um, coach's decision inactive because the second part the back end is all right. Well, maybe they want to get Nolan Smith more involved, but they didn't get Nolan Smith more involved. So that's kind of why I personally want to wait and see if that was just Dallas centric, um, or if they come back off the bye and he's another. TNP coach's decision. Yeah, they've kind of given up on him. Yeah, that's what I uh, am predicting is going to happen for two reasons. Number one, Dallas doesn't, uh, excuse me, uh, Kansas City doesn't have a return guy that you got to run and hide from. They don't have a Turpin like the Cowboys do. Their return game has been relatively non existent. Both kickoffs and punts have been absolutely nothing. So even if you were to attempt to make that argument, and the Eagles didn't, Johnny Mack did here with me. But if they did, I'd go, really? You're afraid of McCole Hardman, who just got back there? Really? That, that's the reason that you're elevating Ben Van Sumer? I'd, so we assume Van Sumeren doesn't get activated. Well, he might now because um, uh, uh, Nicobe Dean is hurt. But remember, last week, Nicobe, not, you know, before the bye, Nicobe wasn't hurt. He got hurt in the game. So he was a full go. Right. But didn't was, need depth. Was, was Ellis active last week? Oh, yeah. He's, he's a key special teams guy. Okay. So you don't, you didn't need depth going in at linebacker going into the Cowboys game. You do need it a little bit, and they worked out Anthony Barr um, on, on Monday. The Eagles did, so obviously they're looking yeah, how, for more how'd that, depth. How'd that work? Uh, it didn't work. He he's going back to Minnesota. Um, they lost Jordan Hicks on Sunday. Wonder, so. wonder if he agreed to go back to the Vikings while driving to the airport because no sooner had somebody Perhaps. reported that they was working out for the Eagles within 
I think less than an hour. Yeah. Well, Anthony Barr going back to the Vikings for a yeah. second run. Yeah, that, that might be, you know, they they knew they had to act quickly. Um and they did. Um I don't think he's got much left either way. So I mean he was a really good player in his prime. During but, his day, yeah. Yeah. Um I think it's he made four Pro Bowls, but his last one I think was twenty eighteen. And that stretch, he was one of the best all-around linebackers in football. But that's a long time ago. That's a uh, uh, so I I you know I don't think he was going to be much help here. To be honest, I don't think he he's going to be much help there. Um, but they worked him out, so that tells you that they're looking for some kind of depth at the linebacker position. All right, so let's play the roster <laughs> game here. Uh, then let's just suggest Van Tumeren stays because he's getting N'Kobe Dean spot because N'Kobe's out. He's have they officially put him on IR yet? No, they not have, yet, not yet. But, but they probably are going to go there. Um, they need to activate Jurgens. Yes, to the forty-six. So somebody's got to go who was active last week. Who would you suggest that might be? Well, but my thought is that Nicobe's going to IR when they make the move. That's Cam's spot. He'll be back on the 53. He'll take that spot. Now, the, the question becomes um, if – because Ben Bransumer's not going to be on the 53. He might get elevated again for a right. week. Um, but I don't even think he's ready to play linebacker. Um, so I, I don't even know if that's the case. But um, – it, well, they don't it, really, they don't have anybody else. No, they don't. Well, Brandon Smith is on the practice squad, ex Penn State linebacker, but that's why they brought in Barr. They want somebody who knows how to play, it seems. Um, and we'll see if they can get that done in the coming days to bring them. But that signing would probably be a practice squad signing, um, at least to start very similar to Julio Jones. Barr's going back to Minnesota on the practice squad to start. I, I, it would depend on – that was a weird injury. Hicks, I don't know if you read about it, compartment syndrome. He hurt his shin, um, and he went back in the game, and all of a sudden it was swelling to the point it became an issue, and they had to take him to the hospital. And like, uh, uh, So a little bit of a weird injury. They don't know the full timetable, but – if he's out for a long time, obviously Parr will probably get elevated, but he'll start on the practice squad there. Um, and, and you know, it, are they going to start the window on Justin Evans? They can. I, I would imagine they would. Um, but I haven't seen him. So I don't know if he's ready. And then Quez, are they going to start that window? Are they going to – they seem to like Quez. I mean – by all indications, um, are they, do they want him back? So if those guys start getting in the mix, then you have to start talking about other potential options. Dallas Goddard could go to IR. You know, they looked at a bunch. Uh, they looked, They brought Noah Tungiai back to work out. Uh, they're looking for tight ends without Dallas Goddard. Is Goddard going to go on IR? They might. They might have to put him on IR, depending on how long he's going to be out with the fractured forearm. Before we even decide, is got to go on IR? Because there's two uh, different, and they can be distinctly different numbers we're talking about here, the 53 and the 46. 
who's going to be the other tight end? Are they going to go with just two tight ends? Goddard, we know, is out. How he's going to be replaced is to be determined. Well, no, they have three. Jack Stoll, Grant Calcaterra, and Albert. And Albert uh, O, excuse uh, me. I, yeah, Albert yeah. O. Um, Which means I, I was no, going to try. Have, they, have they had any week this year where they had all four guys active? No. Or Albert O's been a scratch basically yeah. every week. And Albert O got his first playing time against Dallas. So, okay. um, And that was because Calcaterra was in the protocol. Um, but, you know. So the Tungiai thing is who's been here and gone and back and gone. And, you know, this will be at least his third time if he comes back. Um, <clears throat> is that about replacing EJ Jenkins on the practice squad? Or is that about, you know, Calcaterra has that concussion history dating back to college where he retired from the sport for a short period. Um, so, you know, maybe concussions are more concerning with him. A lot of people have brought that up. But I got to tell you, it, it, he was back on the practice field immediately working through the protocol. So, I mean. Was I was Tungi on somebody else's practice squad and just got released? Or has he been out there for a while? Because they uh, signed Jenkins. Did, when they signed Jenkins in the practice squad, were both of those two guys available? Have they changed their mind? They not like what they've seen out of Jenkins? Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be as simple as that. You always have that churn. His last team was the Raiders, Tungiai, and he was uh, October 2nd. He signed to their practice squad. He was released on October 24th. Um, so, yeah, he was, he was out there. Um, you know, at, there's constant churn on the practice squad. And Ross Piercebacher's back uh, because Jeff Stoutland always likes a backup center on the practice squad. I don't know why, because Kelsey played every, every damn game. But he always like every year, if you look at the Eagles practice squad, there's a center on it. Every single year. Might be just for scout teamwork. This year it was Julian Good-Jones, and, and, and Julian got blocked uh, off by, by Washington. Um, so they brought Ross back. Um, so, yeah, there. but there's always a lot of churn. And Kendall Vildor, a lot of people were excited about him because he, he's a slot guy. Uh, you can get unexcited by Kendall Vildor. He's out the door. Yeah, but he might true. be back next week. Don't be surprised. Not not if Mr. Evans is ready to go. I would say that would put a kibosh. Well, on, on the practice squad I'm talking about. Yeah. Right. But the, the the regular roster feeds down to the practice squad. We always say tr things trickle up in the National Football League. Well, the regular roster trickles down to the practice squad and uh, dictates some of the moves that the teams make. Right, he's McMullen on McDonald. That makes this Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. Like I said, we got two good guests coming your way. First is someone that uh, I I... I talked to Kayla the the previous time that she was here on the show with us. Oh, I believe so, yeah. Who yeah. did I miss? Uh, uh, you missed Breland. Who was that? Breland Moore. Breland, yes. You got to get her. Uh, she does that night show now. I know. She does that night show. Now. The news guy. And he's pretty good. I've caught it a couple of times. I don't watch it regularly, but I've caught it a couple of times. But I look at him as the news guy. 
he, when he's trying to hold a sports conversation, he's not terrible, but it just seems wrong. And Breland's got to carry that job. We got to yeah, get it's around. Tough. Again. You got it's tough when you got to stay up late and get up early. It's a tough sell. To yeah, he's, but he's I'll try got, to get through. He's got it. Well, you're talking to me here, buddy. I was on the air until three o'clock in the morning. So not everybody's Jody McDonald. Get up early after you've been up late their... is something you got to power through. Kayla Santiago, part of the Jacob Eagles. Uh, pre-game show is going to join us coming up hopefully in the next couple of minutes. And a little later in the show, Matt Verderham from uh, Sports Illustrated. He's a Johnny running mate. Jumped over from fan-sided to Sports Illustrated this year. National football writer and a guy who used to cover the Chiefs. Covers the whole league now, but uh, used to cover the Chiefs. Thought it'd be a good week to get Matty V on. So he's going to join us a little bit later. But hopefully, Kayla Santiago from the Eagles post-game show here on Jacob. Up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, Blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. 
That is what we talk here on Birds 365, all E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. McMullen and McDonald here with you. And we've got Kayla Santiago from the Jacob Media Eagles postgame show and now doing work these days for P-H-L-Y on the college basketball side. But we're going to talk to Eagles with her today. Kayla, did we get you up? You're, you're coming out of the, the bedroom today. Did you just wake up like, damn, you look good, Fab, and woke up five minutes ago. No, uh, yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm in my hometown in New Jersey. So my background's a little bit different here today because I got to go right to Philly after this. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you going. You got a jet down to cover Penn basketball, I think. Is that what you're doing today? Yeah, I do. They just got a huge win over Villanova last night, so that should be a lot of fun to cover. Yeah, Very surprising big. in men's basketball. It was yeah, big. it was. That's a that's a big win for Penn. I would say that. But I also, I, I Kayla's got more jobs than me now, so I, I always respect. I always respect that. I'm flipping channels the other day. I think I think that's Kayla doing Delaware Bluecoats play by play. Yeah, I'm their fill-in play-by-play and their sideline reporter for uh, the season. The game's on CBS. So that's been a whole lot of fun, too. <laughs> yeah. And Jameer Nelson, uh, the GM now mm-hmm. of the Delaware Bluecoats. By the way, I, I love the Delaware 87ers. It was too esoteric for people. I love that nickname. I liked it, too. Yeah. But evidently, it was too... Mm, people couldn't figure it out. But I digress. All right. Let's talk <laughs> Eagles, Kayla. Uh by week, everybody's doing their own personal self-scouts. You get to see the games, talk about them on our post-game show. What's your biggest concern? Eating one team at the break, but not a lot of style points everybody keeps talking about. What's your biggest concern personally? It's honestly health and not having Dallas Goddard. I think a lot of people you know, say, well, you got A.J. Browning, you got Devontae Smith. We'll be absolutely fine. That I do agree with if you're talking about the receiving game and tight ends in the receiving game. But Dallas Goddard does so much more in the blocking game for Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles than I think a lot of people realize. So I definitely think that's going to be tough when you're going into these tough games against the Chiefs, against the Bills, against the 49ers, things like that. For me, it's just Jalen Hurts, and is he going to be healthy? Was this enough time for him to really be able to work on that knee and get 100% healthy? We still don't know what's going on. The Eagles are not really talking about it, which is understandable. But at the same time, how bad is it, and what will it take for maybe if he just steps on it the wrong way, will it be that bad? Or if he just has a brace, will we be completely fine? I think that's my biggest worry. I know a lot of people don't like the secondary right now, and I completely understand it. But I think we've seen Sean Desai make quite the adjustments so far this year. Last two weeks, it's been a little bit rough for Sean Desai, I think, but they'll be good. They're in their bye week. I think they're going to be okay. Once again, they're a really young secondary out of Darius Slay and James Bradbury instead of those two, so I'm not too worried about it. I think that right now it's really just the health of these guys, and if they're really going to be okay coming out of this bye week, I think it came at the perfect time. Kayla, even with the aching knee, it hasn't stopped Jalen Hurts from being able to throw the ball all over the lot. He's been phenomenal throwing the ball most of it from the pocket the last couple weeks, but he just hasn't been the same runner as he was last year. And that was a key ingredient to the Eagle offense, the and one aspect of it, of him being able to take off and make a play with his legs. I'm hoping that his knee is 100% solid when we come back here from the bye, but do you think that if it is, we'll see the return of Jalen, the running quarterback, 
Or is that still going to be something? Because before he hurt the knee, he wasn't exactly running up a ton of yards either. I think that's by design from both he and the organization and everyone involved. They were just not going to have him as a running option the way they did last year. Or am I wrong? Do you think that returns if Jalen is 100% healthy? I don't think it returns. They just haven't been utilizing it this year. I don't know if that's a Brian Johnson thing or a Nick Sirianni thing. I can kind of tell that Jalen wants to run a little bit, but I feel like in the back of his mind, they're telling him, don't put – because you can see a lot of the times he's very, very hesitant. When he does those little stutter slides, it scares me the most because I feel like he's honestly going to get a little bit more injured than if he were just to run through the straight shot as well to the sideline. I don't think we're going to see it come back. And if it doesn't, they really need to get this run game going. It's something that we have not seen consistently really since week two with DeAndre Swift was able to go off. If you are not going to run Jalen Hurts the way that he can run, you need to make sure that you're utilizing that running game. Because at the end of the day, if you're not and you don't have plans in place to do that, Jalen's going to make plays and Jalen's going to go by his instinct and try to run the ball, even if it's not something they want him to do. Uh, defensively, we haven't talked about it. I'm a little surprised that you didn't go there because that's been the bigger issue, the offense, even though at times it's it's been a little bit different. They've been successful when it comes to piling up yardage and points. Defensively, though, the slot has been a revolving door. Kobe Dean's out again. Um, that back seven. That that if I'm an Eagles fan, that's number one on my worry list. I think that it's stressful to worry about that secondary because we're gonna get what we're gonna get from them because they're so young. I think that they're gonna get better as the season goes on. But what you look at the opponents that you have right now, okay, you got a Chiefs team that's probably gonna run all over that secondary. The main thing for me is not even the young guys back there. It's the Darius Slay and James Bradbury that, to me, really just haven't been playing up to their potential. Is it because they have to move around constantly because there's a lot of younger guys? Probably. But I think right now those guys need to step up if they want any chance in the secondary. I honestly think that N'Kobe Dean being out is not a terrible thing. He hasn't really been playing that well of football anyway for the Philadelphia Eagles. I personally think Nick Morrow is better suited for that spot right now along with Zach Cunningham. What the pressure needs to come from is that front four right there for the defense. We've seen right now what Jalen Carter can do. We've seen what Jordan Davis can do at the moment in that box. I think against the Chiefs, especially when you look at that game, they need to consistently put the pressure on knowing that the secondary behind them isn't the best. And then if you're Sean Desai, you just got to figure it out with the young guys that you have. I mean, right now, it's not going to get better. They didn't really trade for anybody to get into that secondary that could really make a difference. It's definitely a worry, but I've seen Sean Desai adjust, and I think that's where I'm going to be able to trust in the Eagles' defense more than the offensive side of the ball where I feel like Brian Johnson has a little bit of work to do. Kayla, the Kansas City Chiefs are next up on the schedule, and I think people probably remember the last time the Eagles and the Chiefs <laughs> played. It was a pretty important game. Uh, didn't quite go the Eagles' way, but damn close. Is this Super Bowl revenge? Is this just week 11 opponent? Is this a key game in the 2023 season? How does Nick Sirianni look at this? And how does he portray it to his players to get them in the optimum position to be able to compete on Monday night? From the outside looking in, I would just say it's another game this season. You're looking at a team that was pretty banged up going into the bye week. And yes, you had a week of rest, but I can tell you those guys probably still aren't 100% healthy. And one of them probably being Jalen Hurts. 
That being said, we all know who Nick Sirianni is. He's a guy that really wears his emotions on his sleeve. And I think Philadelphia absolutely loves that about him. I think he's the perfect coach for this city. That being said, though, I think he's going to go into this game with a lot of high emotions and a lot of high nerves just because of what was on the line last year. And both teams aren't that too much different. But I think Nick Sirianni really needs to just discipline this team, understanding that it's just another game this season. And I don't necessarily think it's a must win. I get it. People are going to talk and say, well, the Eagles aren't a legit team because they showed out of the bye week that they can't beat Kansas City. It'd be their second loss of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia does drop this game. I think the emotions are going to be riding high for the Philadelphia Eagles, but I think discipline from Nick Sirianni relaying to these guys is going to be the most important thing, especially when you're losing big, big pieces like Dallas Goddard. Uh, you know, when the goal is the number one seed, Kayla, it's difficult to lose a game because the bye week wasn't that productive for the Eagles. Right. From an opposition standpoint in the NFC, the Detroit Lions won. The San Francisco 49ers got Trent Williams and Debo Samuel back, and all of a sudden they look like world beaters again. They destroyed Jacksonville. That's a very good team. And the Dallas Cowboys obviously had a bye week, uh, but their bye week was on the field and named Tommy DeVito. <laughs> so um, everybody won. That is a threat. And I put that in quotations to the Philadelphia Eagles. Of those three teams, or I, I don't think you're going to go Seattle or Minnesota and Josh Dobbs. So of those three teams, who's the biggest threat for the Philadelphia Eagles on the NFC side? It's definitely the 49ers, in my opinion, just because I feel like they can give so much pressure to the quarterback. I mean, you look at the pickup of Chase Young on one side and Nick Bosa on the other. That scares me if you're any team in the league, even if it's an AFC team. So talking about the NFC, honestly, I'm not worried about the Detroit Lions. The 49ers are really the only squad that I'm worried about. And you look at that game and you say, okay, you may or may not have Dallas Goddard, which may hurt you. The offensive line for Philadelphia looked horrendous last week. If they play another game like that, they are not going to survive San Francisco. With that being said, though, I think the Eagles offense is a little bit better. And if it turns into a shootout, I think Philadelphia wins. But that contest, it's going to be a lot of protection. That offensive line is really going to have to turn it up a gear because their defense is very, very scary. And on the offensive side of things, they're looking to put it together. So I think when you talk about most evenly matched, it's definitely the 49ers in the NFC. I think the 49ers are the second best team in the NFC, but if you're looking at who's got the biggest and best chance to beat the Eagles out for the number one seed, yeah, I do think it's Detroit because of the schedule they're playing. But uh, they're t those are you answered the question, I think, the way John wanted you to answer it. Uh, I interpret it just slightly differently. All right. Are the Eagles interpreting just plugging a new slot corner back in off injured reserve Bradley Roby to be the answer to all their He never went to IR, Jody. They they left him on the roster. Bradley oh, he, doesn't have to be activated. Okay, he doesn't have to be activated. Thanks for the correction. Uh or bringing him back off the uh inactive list. I know that he's a veteran and he's been there before and they've been trying out guys who have uh, never played in the slot before. He's played 50 snaps. That's not a whole hell of a lot of snaps in an Eagle uniform to go, oh. We got Bradley Roby back. We're fine. Are the Eagles fine when they get Bradley Roby back at the corner, at the slot corner? 
I don't think they're fine. I think they are better. I think you also get a chance to have a little bit more of a rotational secondary, which we really didn't see before the bye week. Not really sure why they didn't play him, if they were just trying to test a lot of different things out, but that's something they definitely shouldn't have gone to. And hopefully Roby is back against the Chiefs because they're definitely going to need him in there. I think he had a good game when he first came on the Eagles, and I think he can throughout the rest of the season. Once again, though, I think it's up to those guys captaining it back there and Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Those are the two guys I look at and say they have not had stellar seasons so far, especially Darius Slay. And I get they're moving around a lot. There's a lot of new guys coming in and out. There's never a consistent secondary. I mean, you look at the games throughout the season – maybe one or two where it's the same starting secondary throughout the year so far. I understand, but I have not been impressed with the play of Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Those are the guys I want to focus on too, because they need to captain that defense back there, having the younger guys. Is Roby a fix? Absolutely not. Will it help them? Yes. And I think that Sean Desai can work with that. All right. I know you got a bolt at Kayla underscore Santiago one on X. You can follow Kayla there. She is one of the hosts, uh, all-star cast on the Jacob sports uh, post game show Eagles. You can watch that on Jacob sports, YouTube channel or simulcast at six ABC.com. Um, doing fill-in play-by-play work for the Delaware blue coats, uh, doing college basketball for, uh, P-H-L-Y, Philly Sports, so you can check her out there as well. Thanks for taking a little bit of time. I know you got a jet across that bridge to West Philly, so be careful. Don't speed. <laughs> I want thank you guys so much for having me, and hopefully we have no worries as they go take on the Chiefs. Kayla, thank you very much. That's Kayla Santiago yeah. here with us on Birds 365. Um, yeah, John, I'm going to keep harping on this because until Bradley Roby goes Kayla's down, down on, on Bradbury and Slay. By the way, I picked Slay. Here, I, I got to throw this out. I picked Slay as my midseason defensive MVP for the Eagles. Now, he's not the best player, but I thought he was the MVP of the defense because of all that moving around that Kayla talked about and everything and having to do things and taking C.D. Lamb at the end of the game. Um, now, the best players are obviously up front. Uh, uh, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Jalen Carter. Um, but I thought he was the MVP of the defense, just because all the different things he had to do to make up for all that, should I use the word, crap on the back end. Um, I knew it would be controversial. But, yeah, there's a lot of people down on Slay. By the way, he didn't help himself. He... He tweeted also um, over the weekend how much fun it was to watch the 49ers defense. It, it did not go over well in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that would be a foolish tweet. Um, I, I see where you're coming from. What what has he had to do above and beyond? He's got to play his corner, and that's what he did. He played his corner, and he played his corner better than Bradbury played his corner. I'll give you that. I'm not sure Kayla was saying she's more worried about Slay. No, I'm more worried about Bradbury. If you're talking about the two highly paid, proven cornerbacks on the Eagles, Slay's been fine. Bradbury has not been as good as he was last year. You're seeing a drop-off there. I'm not seeing a drop-off on Slay, but... I don't know that he's gone above and beyond. No, I go back to that. I I think he. I go back to that Los Angeles game. It was him who went to Sean Desai and said, "Look, we got to calm this down. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta simplify this." When 
uh, Cooper Cup was putting um, uh, it, it, that game was Mario Goodrich and Eli Ricks and basically a blender in the first half. He was the one who went to the defensive coordinator. And you say maybe that's hyperbole, but then I asked the defensive coordinator and he admitted it. Yeah, Slay did it. And then at the end of the Cowboys game, he again went up and said, look, I, I'm taking C.D. Lamb at the end of the game because C.D. Lamb's putting these guys in the blender again. I mean, I yeah, I think I think he's a bigger part of this than people realize, not to mention his leadership and all that kind of stuff with the with the younger players. But I think he's taking the bull by the horns in big situations. And that's why, anyway, that's why I picked him to be the midseason defensive MVP. Not the best player. The best player I picked on defense, I picked Josh Sweat. It's Josh Sweat, yes. Yeah. I He's picked Josh Sweat. And for me, the MVP. And well, I would argue Jalen Carter's been the best the best player, but he doesn't play enough. Doesn't play enough. Um, doesn't play enough. So that's why I picked Josh Sweat, because I put similar to what we talk about when we talk about MVP. Last year, the MVP was Patrick Mahomes. The Offensive Player of the Year was Justin Jefferson. That's why I said that's how they kind of do it on the offensive side of the ball. The MVP is the quarterback award, and then, you know, maybe A.J. Brown, maybe Tyreek Hill could win that Offensive Player of the Year award. That's a potential, but they're not going to win MVP. So I went at at it similarly on defense. The MVP, who's the most valuable? I think it's Slay. Who's the best player? I think it's Sweat. That's how I went about it. Yeah, I don't see that at all. Um, what, what, why, why would a D back be more valuable than a just explained uh, it speed guy? Just explained it. I mean, he's he's. But you compared it to the offensive player and the MVP. I get it because that's a defensive designation. The quarterback is more important than the wide receiver is. Do you think that cornerbacks are more important? No, but I think the way he has handled his business has been more important. It's not as drastic because quarterback is built in as a more important position. I'm not focused in built in more important position. You don't have that on defense. But because of what he's done, as I explained, the Rams game, the Cowboys game, because of what he does behind the scenes, I think he's the most valuable player, defensive player to the Eagles. Um, obviously it's not as drastic quarterback. Tommy DeVito was the most important player on the field for the giants. That's a problem. That's just the nature of it. I was just using that as an example to split up the awards. Like we can talk about AJ Brown. He should be MVP. We can talk about Tyreek Hill. He should be MVP. They're not going to be MVP. That's why I said they're just not going to be MVP defense it's a little bit different they don't even have that award so i kind of made it on my own i have defensive player of the year who last year was nick bosa it's generally a pass rusher um it has been in recent years it probably will be again um but for this particular team i think the most valuable defender has been slay and i'm surprised at how much heat he's taken um but Maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, no, um, I, I don't think you should be taking heat, but I wouldn't put him on the pedestal that you're putting him on. Um, it's not like he's been shut down. Remember, Bradbury made all pro last year, so he had a long way to drop. Slay didn't. So um, I, I don't know that uh, he's he's been on that level because he 
gotten a defensive coordinator's ear a couple of times. Well, good for him. That that means he's staying on top of things and he's very invested in the game. But um, I, I don't know that that swung the balance of the power in that game. I'll tell you, the guy who did is the guy who I keep questioning is Roby because they slow started him that game against the Rams because they didn't want to tax him and throw him out there for all 65 snaps, whatever they're going to have on defense. When they put him into the game and got some of the guys who really aren't uh, slot corners out of the slot corner, that helped to shut down the uh, Rams passing game more than Slay. I don't know. Well, he was a part of it, though. He was a part of that decision. He's saying, right. come on. So you're Sean, giving him the MVP because of his assistant coaching status as much as his play. Uh, his His coaching on the field status, I would describe it as. Um, and, and, and when the defensive coordinator admits it and that, that holds some water with me because usually you don't want to admit that kind of stuff. I, in fact, I asked if you remember it, it, the, the post-game press conference, the Monday after I asked Nick Sirianni because the same thing happened and Slay, um, took it upon himself to shadow CD lamb on that last drive. Um, and I asked him about it and Sirianni being the coach, he is downplayed it, but no, it happened. And that's exactly how it happened. Um, and you know, we've, we've given Sean Desai a lot of credit for making adjustments and I think deservedly so. And I think he's more open-minded than the former defensive coordinator, um, uh, so I do give him credit for that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think Slay is a bigger part of it than people realize. No, uh, I, yeah, you, 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 you're giving more credit for the uh, above and beyond actually making plays on the field, talking to coaches, uh, trying to uh, be a coach on the field. Uh, if you're going to put a premium on that, I see where you're going. Um, I give him some credit, but not as much as you. And I'll tell you what, I specifically watched that game last night. And, man, the Buffalo Bills can give away football games like nobody I, I He's reckless. I, I've been saying it for a long time. Yeah, you have. Um, and and I, I can't disagree. I'm a big Josh Allen fan on just his talent. skill sets. But, man, he does. He's reckless. He takes too many chances. Oh, by the way, it wasn't just him. Others were coughing up. The, the yeah. Bills in general just decided, yeah, do we really need to keep the football here? Uh, a really sloppy game by them. They had no right grabbing a lead late in the game, and they did. And then, of course, the the, the Broncos were able to drive it down and kick the game-winning field goal after, after two penalties. And, oh, by the way, I was on Twitter last night. I got a couple of uh, Bills fans, Bills Mafia guys who follow me on Twitter, so they hit me up. Terrible pass interference call. What are you talking about? He specifically underthrew it so the receiver could come back, and the Bills' defensive back tackled him on the play. What do you mean, terrible pass interference call? Well, he had to on. make that. You know how that goes. Call. You just said they're Bills fans. Yeah, I mean, Bills anything, fans. any any call that goes against a Bills fan is a bad call. That's every city. We see it all the time here. Um, 
Yeah, I don't like those underthrown balls either, you know, because people do it purposefully and it's too easy. And but that's the game. I, right. again, you gotta, you, you gotta make plays within the rules, and the rules I, are what they are. Yeah. And that was a smart play by both Russell Wilson, who again, I don't know how much he purposefully underthrew it. They were coming zero blitz. They'd come zero blitz to play before and got him and sacked them and forced them to use their last time out and took them out of field goal. Yeah, range. I'm not saying he did either, but I'm saying in general, a lot of people do purposefully underthrow so their receiver can come back. And I don't like that. But again, we're complaining. How many times we're complaining about legislation? We're not complaining. That's the rule. Eagles fans can't stand, right? When people complain about uh, the tush push, the brotherly shove, and rightfully so. They're successful at it. Everybody else can't do it. Um, and everybody else wants to change. And you got cowboy announcers complaining. They got to ban the play because the Eagles are so successful at it. Blah, blah, blah. And Eagles fans are like, you can't do that. You hate that. You hate that. But when it goes against your team, like uh, a stupid rule, like pass interference, everybody hates that. It's all legislation. It's not the officials. Um, they're human beings. They make mistakes. I'm not saying they make mistakes all the time. That's baked into it. Control what you can control. But most of the problem is the rules. And the rules suck, and we can all acknowledge them. But as Nick Sirianni says, as the head coach, tell me the rules, and we'll figure out something under those rules. That's your that's the coach's job. Yep. That's the rules. Figure it out. And even though the Bills had a chance to win that game after really not earning it and then coughing it up late, I give you one guy who played well, Johnny Mack. And I hopped on this two weeks ago and I stand by it. Howie Roseman missed out. I love Howie. Best general manager in the National Football League. He doesn't bat a thousand. Russell Douglas would have been a good acquisition for this team. He got dealt. The Packers weren't really planning on trading him. They decided to pull the trigger on it when Buffalo gave him the offer that they were looking for. And it wasn't an outrageous amount. It was Rasul plus a five for a three. So it wasn't like giving up a third round pick. It was giving up the difference between a third round pick and a fifth round pick. You talk about secondary flexibility that the Eagles like that. They've forced their guys because of injury to have to do that. Guys like Rick's going in, playing the slot when he's never really played the slot. Taking Brown from the safety position, throwing him in the slot when he's not really a slot corner. A guy like Rashul Douglas, who's proven in the league as both an inside and an outside corner, was available, and the Eagles didn't want to pay the price to get him. They might end up ruining that day, John. I mean, I like Rasul. I wish Rasul could have uh, withstood the transition from uh, the old defensive scheme to the new defensive scheme because I think he's a pure outside zone corner. I think he's got great ball skills. He showed it here um, in limited work, obviously, Um but yeah, I I don't think he can help in the slot long term. I just don't long think term. What are we talking long term? We're talking about eight regular season games and a Super Bowl run. It's not long. When you say long term, what do you mean? No, and week? I hear what you're saying because they're uh, they're a Super Bowl team, so it's a little bit different than saying you know you're trying you're always trying to serve two masters. You're trying to develop players, and but you're you know when you're in the position the Eagles are. 
and they generally do. That's when you take more chances and you, you, you maybe get somebody, you rent a player, whatever you want to call it, a baseball, basketball mentality. I wouldn't complain. I, I think they'd be better. That third round pick, uh, fifth, even though you're getting the, not a third round pick, the difference between a third and a fifth. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I know, but I don't give a shit about the fifth round pick. I care about the third round pick. The third round pick, premium picks are more valuable, way more valuable than day three picks. And premium picks, first, second, third round, day two, day through day two, third round pick is much more valuable than a fifth round pick. To, not to the point of you're going up however many spots that the odds go incrementally down that you're going to hit a player. And the Eagles have not, you know, if you look at Davion Taylor was a third round pick. It's not, that didn't work out. You know, Nicobe Dean was a third round pick. That's not working out to this point. Um, but then go to the fifth round picks. You can always pick the, 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 the hits and the, and the misses, but the, the percentage I, I say it all the time. I don't care about day three picks. That's where I get more upset about general managers when they covet day three picks like they're gold bars. That's when I get upset at GM. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I don't give up who. But first, second, third, I, I'm those are gold bars. Those are those are valuable. So if they could have got him for a fourth round pick, I'm like, yeah. Uh, and 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 by the way, they traded so many of their day three picks. So we're talking about Howie. Now he's going to get a bunch back compensatory wise, but that's you can see his thought process. Yeah, I'll give you that. But I, you know, he's going to hesitate when it's a day two pick. And you know, I it, Rasul it, and in in twenty twenty two because. Or was it 2021? I forget, but I can look it up. He played in the slot in Green Bay, did a nice job uh, when they needed, when they had a, a lot of problems, uh, a lot of injuries, and they needed somebody. And he held up better than the Eagles' parade of whatever you want to call it in the first half of the season. But 2023, I'm, I'm just—he's he, played 15 snaps in the slot, Jody. They have him back outside because he's an outside corner. They always wanted him back outside. All right, but would you rather have a guy who's never played in the slot before? The two guys the Eagles have been playing in there the last several weeks, or a guy who, yes, this season because of Green Bay's needs, they played him more outside than they did in the slot. But as you said. He had a very good year, ranked very high oh, as a very, slot yeah, corner a, for the Packers. A, a, Which I, would you rather like have, him. a guy who hasn't played there at all in his career or a guy who hadn't played there much this year? If I needed an outside corner and the Eagles, remember the Eagles and 49ers, and it came out, um, I think Adam Schefter reported uh, it yesterday, so – I wrote about it um, during the trade deadline. And and this can tell you when I was asking Kayla about who, you know, who, who the Eagles biggest threat is. Well, yeah, I can tell you in, inside the Novacare complex, they believe it's the 49ers. Uh, and there were both kind of, whether you want to call it arms race, rattling sabers, uh, you know, talking about getting corners 
and they're both talking about to Denver about Patrick Sertan. The Eagles have loved Pat Sertan since the draft. Um, he was one of the players they they wanted to get in the draft. Denver's talking about two first. By the way, pick. how much has Sertan played in the slot? Um, not much. I'd have to look. Not much at all because he's yeah. an outside corner. I would highly doubt that. So yeah. But they were trying to keep him away from San Francisco. No, they didn't want Patrick Sertan to play the slot. That, that that that's not what I'm trying to say here. They were trying to keep San Francisco away from getting Patrick Sertan and Jalen Johnson as well to a lesser degree. So the, both of those teams were going back and forth and trying. And obviously the Bears and the and the Broncos were trying to take advantage of it. Nothing happened. Um, but you can see the the arms race feel. They're both trying to to make sure the other doesn't get a really good player. If they needed an outside corner, um, I'd say, yeah, go get Rasul Douglas. He's a great fit for this defense. I'd say, yeah, give him a and, – and even if you needed an outside corner, then I'll start talking about a third-round pick. But they don't need an outside corner. Um, even though people are disappointed in Bradbury, they don't need an outside corner right now. They do need a slot corner. I, I'm not giving up a third-round pick for Rasul Douglas to play in the slot. Yeah, can you make the argument? It's a good one. I'm, I'm not saying you can't make the argument that this is a Super Bowl team and things should be different and you should be willing to go for it. That I would listen more than they should do it from a football perspective. If you're that close to the Super Bowl and you feel you're that player away, then yeah, go do it. But that I, end, I, that end, and you never, you, you, you don't want to have this mentality, but you really should have this mentality when you're in the position that the Eagles are. You're one Darius Slay, Eagles defensive MVP, uh, turned ankle from having to play Josh Job outside. He's your backup. Number yeah. If you got a guy like Russell well, now Douglas, Eli, you go Eli get Rex is, Douglas. Is, when uh, Slay turns his ankle, guess what? Russell will get outside. You can just move him outside. It serves two masters. You get your, your slot corner in the trade, and then you got a much better backup outside. Now you're going to have to kind of make it up in the slot as you go along if you're moving Russell out, but I, I think that's what good general managers do. They have emergency protection. Well, that I'll listen to. But as far as the fit, like you said, well, he's playing the slot. Well, yeah. Well, if you go, you know, like I said, he's played 15 snaps in the slot this year. If you go through Bradbury's career, I just pulled up Bradbury. So as a rookie, he played 13 in the slot. His second year, he played 10. Then he was up to 57. Then it was 19. Then 60. Then 68. So... I mean, it's baked into the way the NFL, because there's so many teams use empty sets, nobody more than Philadelphia. So everybody's playing in the slot a little bit. When you're down at those numbers, 15, 20, you're, you're not a slot cornerback. You're not playing in the slot at all. You're just reacting to the defense. Jim Schwartz would always say defense is a reactionary position by nature. Sometimes Slay has to walk inside. Sometimes Bradbury has to walk inside. So that's why people, you know, get too caught up in, in formations, numbers. Like if you say 11 personnel or 12 personnel or 13 personnel, 
Well, the Eagles could be an 11 personnel, and you say, well, that's three receivers, and they have a running back, but they might be in an empty set. So they're all playing like receivers. Um, it doesn't matter that they're an 11. They could be in 12 and do the same thing. Um, so people get too bogged down in that kind of stuff. But if, if the Eagles needed a, an outside corner, I, I would have said, yeah, I'd like Rasul Douglas. They need a slot corner. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up a premium pick for that. Right. And we just look at it differently. If you're getting a fifth back, then it's not a premium pick to me. Most people in the NFL, John, I'm sure you've talked to somebody. If you have a deal like that, what does the pick that you've got come out, uh, given up, turn out to be? If you get back a fifth while giving up a third, most people look at a fourth. That's what they would have given up before it. And a fourth isn't a premium pick because for you, that demarcation of day two to day three is huge. Well, a fourth round pick is a day three pick. So I, I think it was a cost that the Eagles should have considered in a go for it year when you're all in to win a Super Bowl. I think it would have been. Uh, well, a, I can't speak for every GM, but I can speak for Howie on that. Howie's not going to look at a third and a fifth turning into a four. He's not, he doesn't, he doesn't think he's not one who thinks that way. He's not, he is not, I talked to him enough to know where, um, well, what yeah. then uh, since you seem to know how, how he does grasp it, how does he look at it? What, what would you just leave it as it's a third round pick when you're getting a fifth back? How, how do you No, he plays, the returning he, 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 he plays, in addition he, to? he plays, he plays the game on day three all the time where you're giving up draft cap, you're giving up draft positioning. You're, you're giving somebody a seven, you get a six back, you're moving up the draft, you're moving down the draft. I'm what I'm trying to say is what I'm trying and where I agree with Howie. He values the day. He values the premium picks more than he values the day three picks. Um, now, also how he changes um, when he needs. You know, he's been through the cycle. Football's cyclical, and the Eagles are at the high end of the cycle. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. perhaps the highest ever for this organization. So he's also been through rebuilding process. Now, when he's in, when he's in a rebuilding process, he puts much more value on day three picks than he does right now because he needs bodies and he looks at them as lottery tickets. Doesn't knows the percentages knows the percentages you're probably not going to hit. Um, but if you need bodies, and you're able to develop 
And it can even go down to the undrafted players at that point, whether it's Reed Blankenship or Eli Ricks this year. Um, those he considers more lottery tickets for lack of a better term. And if you're rebuilding and you see this around the league, that's why the Ryan Poleses of the world try to accumulate as many picks to get bodies because they got to populate a whole roster. So it is a, 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 a thing that's constantly in flux. And I think that's your best argument for Rasul Douglas is the less need approach. If you're that close, go for it. I, I, I think that's a good argument. And I think that's the best argument. Just go for it knowing, all right, you know, you know, it's probably a rent a player, blah, blah, blah. But if that puts you over the top, who gives a crap? If you have another Lombardi trophy, I, I give more credence to that argument. Um, but yeah, in this stage of the game, um, yeah, he values those those top picks more than day three picks, as, I, give you as a, I think he should. A prime example of a team that did that this very week, and that's San Francisco. They gave up, what was it they gave up to get Young? Third. Um, third. Well, that's a different player. That's right. A, that's a high-end player. A high-end player. But um, they gave up a third. If he walks as a free agent into the end of the year and he puts up good numbers and he gets paid big bucks, guess what? They're going to get a compensatory third the year after. So you you get the player's services for the entire Super Bowl potential run this year, and you just trade off one year waiting for a third-round pick. It's the same exact yeah, well, thing. Yeah, well, I'm not – For nothing. Yeah, well, I mean, that to me – and I like and I like Rasul Douglas, but that's a different – talent level that's a no i was the, the point i was trying to make about the mindset of going for it the we're all in push all the chips into the middle of the table for the super Bowl. yeah i, I wasn't trying great. to compare young to rasul on the level of football players i guess yeah, young, younger I, I better has a, a more impactful position and nobody plays nobody plays the compensatory pick game better than howie um but i i i think that was a no-brainer from san francisco's perspective and you know remember the eagles um <clears throat> remember their picks aren't as valuable as other teams because everybody knows they're going to be down at the bottom of each perspective round so even if you're talking about patrick sertan and giving up two first round picks what are the odds that you're going to get a first round talent like patrick sertan and go and draft in 29th to 32nd pretty stinking slim um, of course you're giving up two years, but you're probably even going to be good the next, the next year. So, um, say 25 to 32, and uh, you know, I would seriously consider that to be honest, that's how much I think of him as a player. Um, and it would have been interesting if San Francisco or the Eagles could have pulled that off. But, um, when it comes to Chase Young, yeah, when I saw that trade, I was like, oof. Washington, you got to get more than that for Chase Young. I realize all the issues, but you've already seen the talent. Now he's back with his old college teammate. Now he's comfortable. You know, that could be a problem for the Eagles moving forward. Um, there was a lot of bad news coming out of Washington when they traded him, trying to throw him under the bus, and he's freelancing. He's not doing what he's told and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was a little bit classless from Washington, but whatever. I 
I when I saw that trade, I was like, wow, that's that's a good trade for John Lynch. Right. And uh, again, the only point I was trying to make was when you're as close as the Eagles are, the 49ers are, there's only a handful of teams that fall into this category where you're going to suspend your usual valuation chart because to get a key piece while you're making a Super Bowl run, there's only a couple of teams that could do that. And the 49ers were one of them. And I think that deal, in that deal, they acted like it, how he chose not to. He he kept to his valuation of players and draft picks and the like. And uh, I just thought a uh, move for a guy like Russell Douglas could be something that he could have done. All right, quickie timeout coming back. Matt Verderheim from Sports Illustrated National Writer is going to join us coming up in hour number two here on Birds 365. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program assures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. E-A-G-L-E-S. 
Eagles. We got Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Appreciate everybody who streamed in. We got over 400 of you knuckleheads right now. Thank you very much for doing so. If you're going to stick around and watch, or the least you can do is hit the like button. Come on, give us give us a little bit of a, a boost here to our algorithm. Uh, thank you for, for jumping in with us here today. All right, Johnny Mac, before Matt Verdram joins us in about 10 minutes from now, a uh, bunch of guys. Uh, d- did you do an Eagles report card at the midway point of the season? Uh, no, I did a self-scout. Self-scout, did not do a which report is a little card. different than a report card. Good for you. Uh, a lot of your cohorts, uh, Eagle beat guys and the like, did report cards for the halftime, whatever. I saw a couple report cards on the Eagles rookies, which I got to tell you, I read everybody's grades, and I think there were some guys out there looking at it through Eagle green colored glasses. Yeah, there's a lot of those. There's a lot. There's there's only uh, eight right now. Nine games you can grade a guy on. And you must think, keep that in mind. This is rookies. These are guys who have never played the National Football League before. And what's Jim Schwartz's favorite line? Startup costs, baby. Startup costs. We're factoring in the startup costs. I get that. You got to judge him on a graded startup cost. But when you compare them to every other rookie, you compare the Eagles rookies to the Team X, Team Y, Team Z's rookies. It's not like we're comparing them to the other play, the other thousand players in the NFL. You're keeping them in their class and just looking what they've done in their class. So that's the way I would grade a rookie class to compare them to their veteran teammates uh, heavily, I think would be unfair to the rookies, but even look at it in that way. We all agree that the, the big guy in the middle is an A, if not an A plus, he's probably going to be the defensive rookie of the year in the National Football League. How do you do better than that? I don't think you can. So that's got to be an A plus. How do you grade out the rest of the Eagles rookies after that? That's a nice way to start things. Well, I would A+. be. I, I I would. I don't even think you can grade players like that. I mean, you're grading on one game with Tyler Steen. You know, Clay Ringo doesn't play. Yeah, at but all. John, let me ask you. Adam McKee I, I, doesn't I'll... play at all. Moro Jomo doesn't play at all. Like, and I think to hear your way of doing it, Jody, I would argue. You know, it's easier to play on the Carolina Panthers, the Chicago Bears, the the New York Giants, than it is to play on the Philadelphia Eagles. So there's certain guys like. You know, they might be playing somewhere else and they might look better because they have some playing time. So they might have some stats and blah, blah, blah. So I would say that it's it's hard. The Eagles are good. But I would say Nolan Smith is disappointing. I would say Tyler Steen is disappointing. I wouldn't say Sidney Brown is disappointing because I think he's um, done a lot for the team. Um, and And played out of position, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I would say Kelly Ringo's disappointing as a cornerback, but I had him as a special teams MVP. I know nobody cares about special teams, but I think he's been valuable. Tanner McKee doesn't play, but I think he did a good job in camp. Moro Jomo doesn't play, but I think he did a good job in, in camp. So those are your picks. The, the and, and the reason I'm disappointed in Steen is because 
you know, there was a lot of talk that there would be a legitimate competition at right guard for a lot of reasons. One, Cam Jurgens is a natural center. Um, one, Nick Sirianni wouldn't give Cam Jurgens the job. Remember all that? We would ask Nick Sirianni a hundred times, is Cam Jurgens the starter? Is Cam Jurgens? And he would keep pushing it off and keep pushing it off and keep pushing it off because long term, the Eagles want Tyler Steen to be their right guard. But he wasn't ready to make the transition, wasn't ready to make the 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 move from uh tackle at the college level to guard at the pro level needed more time, which is fine. It's understandable, but I think they were expecting more right off the bat. And Nolan Smith would be the biggest disappointment because there's an opportunity there to gain some playing time. Not a lot, but a little bit. And he hasn't done it. And when he is out there, he's not effective. So I would say he's been the most disappointing, but I'm not going to give him an F or anything. Right. I mean, I'd give him a C, maybe a C minus. Tyler, maybe a I'm C a minus. Lot of B's and B pluses. If you go A plus for the top guy, which you should, uh, I saw a lot of B's for the rest of the Eagles draft. Now I'm going, well, I, they're right. I, you know, it's, it's a lot of I do after Carter is incomplete. Yeah, I would I would go most incomplete. Obviously, um, McKee and Ajomo are incompletes as you know late round draft picks. Um, you know, Ringo's the most interesting because I think he's a failure as a cornerback. They throw everybody out there before they throw Kaylee Ringo out there, but he's been really good. I talked about it on the show. He's been like a difference maker on special teams. Nobody cares about that. Well, I can't make people care about that. I do think there is some value to that. So I can't give him an F, but from from a cornerback perspective, the Eagles would play Jody McDonald at cornerback before they play Calais Ringo, evidently. Um, so he hasn't been up to speed as a potential cornerback. So he's the toughest because he's been meaningful on one area. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's panic level on anybody at this stage. But I, I'm a little disappointed in Nolan Smith. I would say that. Right. And here's how I would categorize how I would rank these guys. No, None of the Eagle players in the draft, none. Even the guys who are incomplete because they haven't really gotten out of field. Tanrick hasn't gotten out of field. More Jomo's played, what, single-digit snaps? He was activated for one game, got in for a half. No one gets a, a, a an F and or the label a bust. Not even Kaylee Ringo, because as you point out correctly, he's doing something. He's playing very well on special teams. I don't think that they plan to be playing uh, Ricks above him and Mario Goodrich above him and Gardner above him. Undrafted players, when he's a fourth-round draft pick, to get them actually on the field from the line of scrimmage. So that that outweighs the special team's contribution he makes. But it doesn't make it disappear. So I'm with you. Can't be, can't be a bust. Can't be an F. They're all in the C's to me. They're C, C minus. The yeah, best. a bunch of C's. I'd put Brown at the that. best at C plus because he's been asked to play out of position. Nope, nobody's even getting a B minus this side of Jalen Carter, who's an A plus, and again, doesn't dictate the rest of their careers. 
Startup costs with rookies, you can only expect so much. And I believe I'm looking at this on a curve and I'm keeping everybody open for evaluation going forward. But uh, it hasn't been a boffo year for Eagle rookies. Sorry about that. Just the way that I would grade them out. Yeah, I'm with, it's one of the rare, rare instances where exactly on the same page. I'm with you. I'm a bunch of C's. Um, I can't give anybody a B outside of Jalen Carter um, who gets an A, um, maybe an A+. Plus. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, you know, the most impactful rookie besides Jalen Carter on the Philadelphia Eagles is Kalei Ringo <laughs> for a different reason than expected. Right. Uh, and one that, uh, again, because they changed the rules in the National Football League, I would say the Eagles are better on special yeah, I would teams say this Sydney. I'll, I'll take it back. Sydney, Sydney's above uh, Kaylee Ringo because he's played significant uh, snaps. He's actually and he started one game at safety, and he's done – some decent work in the slot. So I would say sit and then uh, Ringo, um, which is yeah, not great. Um, and here's, here's the reason why I, I can't get too jazzed about Keely Ringo's and his rankings and special teams. The Eagles don't use special teams all that much. They go for it on fourth down all the time. The kickoffs now are how, maybe one a game is actually returned, John. If if and the Eagles kick off a lot because they score a lot, they they probably kick off as much as they'd be else in the National Football League. But who cares? The Elliott kicks into the back of the end zone every single time. So the the actual number of plays someone must be good in special teams is not all that great for the Eagles. So even when Ringo does it, and he's good at it. How many times is he really having an effect on the game? It's just. It's not as big a deal in the league, and it's not as no, big a it deal. isn't. But I think it becomes a bigger deal as the season wears on and all of a sudden you'll, you'll start to see more kicks returned as the weather turns and the Midwest, uh, Northeast. Um, and you've already started to see it a little bit. Um, you know, but you know, I go back to last year when everybody thinks the Eagles were great and they were great, but now it's become a mythical greatness. Like there was no struggles last year. There were plenty of struggles last year, but um, I, I, the one thing they were bad at was special teams. I mean, every, it doesn't matter if you're a stat guy, Rick Goslin, special teams rankings, it film guy, PFF, analytics guy, football outsiders, everybody, everybody agreed. Bottom five, bottom five. They were terrible at it, terrible at it. And now they're top 10. And it's because of two guys, Ringo and Josh Job, who both can't play corner. But, but it is play, what it is. They can't play gunner on the outside. All right. Uh, he's McClellan on McDonald. That makes us Mackamac Birds 365. I see Matt Birdman in the uh, green room. He's ready to jump in with us. Um, to talk all things NFL, specifically Eagles Chiefs this week. He covered the Chiefs for years. Matty V, up next here on Birds 365. 
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Mac on Birds 365, and we're lucky enough to get Matt Verdram, National Football Writer for Sports Illustrated, here to jump in with us. Good to see you, Matty V. Thanks for hopping in. Here's where I'm going first with you. Kind of a position where they're at kind of question. Who's feeling worse about themselves this morning? The Jacksonville Jaguars or the Buffalo Bills? Oh, it's got to be Buffalo. I mean, it has to be. I know that I know that Jacksonville got beat by 31 points, but they're six and three. They're fine. They right. I'm I'm just talking about the effect of their loss this weekend. Which is more painful? Which is more draining? Which has more of a continuing effect? The 31 point beat down, or you had the the game in your hand and you just said, "Here, play, take it from me." The, the Bills, because if you're Jacksonville, as much as that loss stinks, I mean, I think that's one of those games you just kind of walk away from it going, hey, look, we we got our tails kicked, period. And we got to fix it, and we, we can correct a million things. The Bills was like this every week with, with undisciplined plays, with poor coaching. I mean, that game last night, how the hell did you have 12 guys on the field on that field goal attempt when 
you knew that whole defensive drive. Hey, we might need to have the field goal block team come out here. And then the Broncos, first down, they kneel the ball. You call timeout. Second down, they kneel the ball. You call timeout. No one's going over this on the sideline. Like, hey, guys, we know the You're 11, ready. right? Like, we know who's – it wasn't one of these things where, hey, Denver completes a miracle ball down the field and, and everybody's in a fire drill mode. You knew for five minutes you had to go mm-hmm. out there. You knew 12 guys on the field. That game, they're now five and five. That game is of catastrophic proportions to Buffalo. I do not think they will make the playoffs. Their schedule's way too yeah. hard. They're losing to both the teams to play next Monday night. Uh, and that should do it. That'll take care of Buffalo for the year. Yeah, here in Philadelphia, we talked about that murderous row since the schedule came out, but everything changes. Buffalo is part of that murder. Well, they don't look that difficult right now, to be honest. The reckless play. At what point, Matt, did people start looking at Sean McDermott in this situation? The window closed. We know the playoff loss. I mean, the 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 management of the end of that game was yeah. historically bad. And you're just talking about how do you have 12 people on the field? It's a little bit of a theme. I don't want to call it a theme, but end of game situations. Yeah. One of the strengths here in Philadelphia with Nick Sirianni, I love Jody. Jody knows. I love CEO coaches because I think the game is so big when it comes to game management. If you're doing something else, and remember, Sean ran Leslie Frazier out of there. If you're doing something else, you get bogged down, you're thinking about it, mistakes happen, 12 men on the field, bad end-of-game situation management. Is Sean McDermott on the hot seat? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he has to be, which is weird because he's just got an extension. But, um, you know, those coaching contracts and a lot yeah. of out clauses in them and different things. So it's always kind of hard to tell um, exactly. Jimbo Fisher. You know, they're paying seventy five million. Jimbo Fisher. If I was Jimbo Fisher, I would have tried to be fired. Yeah. Give me $76 million in the beach. Yeah. Uh, you know, look. Yeah, he's got to be on the hot seat. Quite honestly, right now, everybody in Buffalo, I think to some degree, other than Allen, of course, is on the hot seat. I mean, you're in a position where you're 5-5. Five and five, you're probably not making the playoffs. I mean, realistically, yeah. they have five. Not only do they have five losses, they're all in the conference. Yeah. Like, you're looking at they maybe can lose one more game. They still got to go to Philly, go to Kansas City, go to Miami, go to the Chargers, play the Cowboys at home. I mean, they're losing one more game. They can't beat New England. They can't beat Denver. So, yeah, I think he's on the hot seat. Brandon Bean I don't think is, but I got to tell you, if you really look at Brandon Bean's record the last four years, who have they drafted? I like Kincaid. That, that's about the extent of the list. I mean, they have not drafted well. They have a lot of old, expensive players on that team. They have a cap crunch next year. This is going to be painful the next couple of years here for Buffalo. I mean, I, you're never going to rebuild with Allen in the middle of his prime, but, like, you're going to have to do a pretty serious retooling on the fly. It is. Can I just say something, though, Matt, about yeah. Josh Allen? He's incredible. Nobody questions the talent. I mean, off the charts. But he's reckless. At at what point is it fair to say he's too reckless? He's too reckless. I I mean, personally, I've I've hit that point about a month ago. I mean, I've written that multiple times on SI, but the fact that, look, at some point, if you're an elite quarterback, you can't make the mistakes he makes every game. You just can't do it. I mean, you take last night, for example. The first interception is not his fault. Gabe Davis – 
despite the fact that NFL receivers at this point wear flypaper on their hands, like can't catch, ball goes right through his hands, gets intercepted. Okay, fine. That second pick right before the end of the half, you just cannot throw that football. I don't, you can throw it 10, 10 yards over his head. You can throw it into the stands. You can take a sack, whatever. You're deep in your own territory with 30 seconds left. You cannot throw an interception. And that ball is completely on Allen. I mean, that that's a coverage where you know Denver's sagging with the underneath guy. You know those over-the-top over guys are going to drive on these out routes, these deeper routes. You just cannot throw that ball. And it cost them three points in the game that they lost by two. And we see him do it over and over. They lost the Jets game because of Josh Allen. The first play of the New England game, he threw an interception that led to points. I mean, these things are not one-offs. They happen all the time. To me, he's not on the level right now of Mahomes or Burrow when he's right or Hurts. He's not. He's not. I mean, he's not one of those guys. He's more right now to me. I think on my quarterback rankings this week, I have him eighth. Like he's very good, but he's not. He's not great. You can't be great when you have more picks than Mac Jones this year. Sorry. Right. It's, I mean, he is leading the league with eleven picks. It's been brutal. I uh, we debated this before the season ever started. Maybe with you here on the show, John and I certainly have the comparison between the AFC and the NFC. And everyone I knew thought, well, the AFC is better. How much better is the question? They got more, a better quarterback. The rank. The NFC this week made a statement for me that maybe there isn't a difference at all. All the key teams. If you look at Kansas City and Philadelphia, is the two best teams, which I think you should. Yeah, they didn't play. They play each other this week. But NFC Lions win, 49ers win, Cowboys win. Shoot, even put the Vikings into that mix. They went AFC, Bills lose, Ravens lose, Jaguars lose. All teams we thought of as, as if not playoff lock. I thought Baltimore was the best team in football coming into the week. So I, uh, and I they put get the beat. on them. Yeah. Is, there a, is there any difference between the AFC and the NFC, or is this as balanced a league as you've seen in a while? It's pretty balanced. I think the AFC is probably a little deeper. In terms of like like the what I'm, I'm driving at is like the NFC in the playoffs like Minnesota it's a nice story Minnesota is going to get annihilated in the in the wild card. You're not a Josh Dobbs guy. <laughs> I'm a Josh Dobbs guy in terms. It's a great story. Yeah. I'm not a Josh guy, Dobbs guy in San Francisco in January. No, no I am not. <laughs> um, and the NFC South is a tire fire. Like that's another one of these. Like you know Dallas will probably get the you know the four seed and just and just blow the doors off New Orleans. So in that sense, I think the AFC is better because I, I don't know that there's anybody in the AFC that you look at who's going to make the playoffs and just go, that team is just no chance in hell of, of winning a playoff game. But the top of the conference, yeah, I mean, look, you could argue Philly and San Francisco, um, you know, the Chiefs are of that quality. Is there anybody else of that quality in the AFC? I mean, maybe when the Bengals are right, maybe if Baltimore is right. I'm not a big Baltimore guy. I just always feel like I've seen this movie before with Baltimore. But – you can certainly make the argument. I don't know that Jacksonville or Miami is a team that I look at and think can go to the Super Bowl. I think they can win a playoff game. I think on, on their best day, they can be a thorn in anybody's side. But can they win the Super Bowl? Can they get to the Super Bowl? I, I doubt it. Uh, Buffalo, we just talked about, I don't think they can make the playoffs. Houston yeah. is a real fun up-and-coming team. Houston reminds me of Jacksonville last year, where you looked at them and said, really up-and-coming team, good team, but are they going to go to Arrowhead second week of January and win that game? 
probably not. So, yeah, I, I think right now in the NFL, I'm still on the Bengals. I still think that the Bengals are, are a threat. To me, the last four teams standing last season are the best four teams this year. Yeah, probably as we stand here. But to Matt's point, I mean, right now, today, as we speak, if the playoffs started, Cincinnati's not in the playoff. Oh. Buffalo's not in the playoff. The Chargers, Jody's Jets, and obviously that has to do with the quarterback. That was going to be a really good team if, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt. When you look at the NFC, <clears throat> Minnesota's the seventh seed right now. Then you have Tampa, Washington, Atlanta. Green, so I do think the AFC is deeper, no question about it. Um, um, and then you have, you know, maybe Pittsburgh is in the playoffs right now. They're not as good as they look. Uh, no, they and and so as you bad. mentioned, Houston, CJ Stroud's a great story, but great step forward. But I don't think they're a great team. But I, I, I think it's fair to say the AFC is deeper. Um, now, Let's talk about your your wheelhouse, those Kansas City Chiefs, because I'm a little bit concerned offensively. What's going on? And and you think about a team with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and you're usually not worried about offense if you right. got those two parts of the equation. But if you go all the way back to their Denver game, that was bad. Yeah. The 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 inaugural Frankfurt game, they they didn't really they weren't they aren't explosive at all and then they're going on the bye week what's going on with that offense just is it just as simple as the receivers aren't good enough besides outside receivers no you know what so this is kind of the the funny thing about the Chiefs I think the nationally has been completely missed completely missed and if you actually watch them and I've watched every snap of them probably twice over this year um their receivers are not great but you have Travis Kelsey, who's still playing like Travis Kelsey. And you have Rasheed Rice, who's actually a really good young receiver. He's a rookie this year. He's been excellent for them. Their receiving core is not anything to write home about. Don't get me wrong. Like, that certainly is part of the issue. I mean, they after those two guys, you start talking about, like, Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Justin Watson. And guys were, like, fine in a complimentary role, but, like, that's pretty much what they're good for. Their biggest problem is they turn the ball over nonstop. And I'm pretty sure, at least going into this week, now that they had the bye, it probably isn't true anymore. Going into this week, they've taken the most penalty yardage of any team in football. And it's mm-hmm. almost all offensive. Like, they don't take many penalties on defense. They are, they are this year, you can make a real argument, they're the best defense in football. They have been phenomenal defensively. They can, any way you want to play, they can play you on defense. We can get into that later. But offensively, they are a wreck with penalties and turnovers. They have 17 turnovers this year. They cannot stop fumbling the ball, throwing picks they shouldn't throw. Like Mahomes has gotten away with some of that nationally. He hasn't been to Josh Allen levels, but by his standards, he has been very careless with the ball this year. Um, my my whole thing with them is, look, if they can just stop beating themselves, they're fine, even with these receivers. Because in games where they haven't beaten themselves, they've racked up over 400 yards on offense, no problem. They've scored plenty of points. They have a very good one-two punch at running back led by Pacheco. They have all these guys, uh, and the line is very good. The line is an excellent offensive line. They've, they've, they've protected Mahomes. He's gotten the least amount of sacks this year against him. But the turnovers, they only have one game this year where they've not turned the ball over, and that was against Minnesota. It's the only game. They lost that game to Denver that you mentioned, John, because they had five turnovers in that game. And yet, 
With five turnovers, they were down 14 to nine with seven minutes left, and they were getting the ball, and then they muffed a punt inside their own five yard line. That was a game. Yeah. Like they've played atrociously in terms of beating themselves, and they're seven and two. So it really does come down to can you just stop beating yourself? And even with the receivers, if they do that, they'll be fine. If uh, they're turning it open as often as you say they are, and I'm sure you're right, how much of it is on Mahomes? Is he taking chances? He's putting the ball up for grabs. You're saying the line's giving him time. Yep. Uh, I sure it can't be all fumbles by guys other than him either fumbling or him throwing it up for grabs. How much of their uh, minus territory, that's what we call turnovers, uh, is on the quarterback? A good amount. I mean, you got you got to put blame on them. Look, they have 17 this year, 17 turnovers. They have 10 interceptions, and, and two of those came from Gabbard when they were 41 nothing on the Bears. But as a team, they've thrown 10 picks. They've also lost seven fumbles. So, I mean, they, they have just done everything they possibly can. It's a lot of fumbles. I mean, they, you know, like I said, at the end of last week, I believe they were leading the league. Now, now they're to a point where six teams have as many or more turnovers in them, Buffalo and, and, and the, the Browns among them. Um, but, yeah, the Chiefs, I mean, it's been a big problem. It's been a big problem for them. And Mahomes at times, look, they, they've had a few, kind of like the uh, Gabe Davis interception last night where Mahomes just hit a guy right in his hands. And the ball, you know, Kadarius Tony kind of famously week one, the ball right through his hands and turned on pick six. There's been a few like that for Mahomes. But he's had five or six picks this year. He's just throwing the ball right at somebody because he's trying to force the ball down the field. And a lot of his picks have come 30, 40 yards downfield. Some of them on third down where you're like, okay, look, if you're going to throw a pick, that's probably the place to do it. A little bit of an arm punt. Right. But they they have not been consistent at being able to avoid these. these. Frankly, a lot of them are pretty avoidable turnovers. I mean, it's not as though, uh, you know, he's been pressured into them. I mean, these have been throws where he's had some time and he's trying to force a play. It'll be interesting with both the Chiefs and the Eagles coming out of the bye week. You know, these teams are smart teams, well coached. They're going to self-scout. How much of these issues that both teams have had can you fix? But I think to, to really, to the point of them being the two best teams in the league, I mean, neither one of these teams is playing to capacity, and one of them's eight and one, the other one's seven and two. I mean, most teams, you play poorly, you're the Bills right now, right? Like the Chiefs and the Eagles, their fan bases are ripping their hair out of their heads, and they're a combined 15 and three. <laughs> so it goes to show the talent level on those teams. Exactly. <laughs> Well, that's a good point. Style points for both of them haven't been there, but they keep oh. winning games, which is uh, last time I checked what it's all about. Uh, let's talk about that defense. You know, Sp Steve Spagnuolo is one of those guys, man. He has been forever. I don't know. He's revered in Philadelphia. He got here with Andy Reid in 99, and I believe he left in – 06, 07, somewhere, somewhere around there. So it's been a long time and people keep talking about him. They love him. Uh, King of the third down. Um, is he doing something differently this year? Why have they taken the next step defensively? He's not. I mean, he, the only thing maybe they're doing a little differently is last year, I guess he's just pretty noted throughout the year, and especially going to the Super Bowl, they had a million rookies on defense last year. I mean, they, yeah. they were playing secondary. literally yeah. four starting secondary players that were rookies last season. I mean, it was it was incredible. They had, you know, they had uh, Karloftis up front and Chanel at the second level. 
And all those guys have ranged now from being a superstar level player in McDuffie to a star player in Karloftis to the rest of them all being really good. So you now know the system, all those guys, that half dozen, and they added a Menahu up front. They added Drew Tranquil at linebacker, who was going to kind of spot start for Bolton at times. Then Bolton got hurt, and Tranquil's been as good as Bolton. He's been unbelievable. They have Mike Edwards, who they brought in from the Bucks. There's a third safety, and with Spags, they like to play a lot of three safety looks. And so Edwards has been very good for them. Um, look, they ranked fourth in yardage against, second in points against, fifth in passing yardage against. They've had two games this year where they haven't given up 100 passing yards. I mean, they just – they are relentless up front. They are um, – they're a team that they they blitz, but they don't always have to. They get home with four constantly. Um, I mean, they their their pressure rates top five. They're top three in sacks. Uh, they 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 are. I believe they have the fewest missed tackles in the NFL. Fewest yards after catch allowed in the NFL. They they are their biggest strength is they don't have a weakness. They can play any way you want to play. They can play big. They can play smaller. They can play in base. They can play in dime. Whatever you want to do. And so with that freedom, Spagnolo, as Eagles fans know from his days there, like they will, they'll spin the wheel with their coverages. They'll play anything. They'll, they'll play zone. They play man. They play any variation you want. They, I mean, they are so exotic defensively. You know, I do an all 22 piece every week at SI and I'll sit down and watch film of these teams. And a lot of these teams, it's the same coverage almost every play. You know, they'll sit in quarters. They'll sit in coverage. I mean, it's the in, same. Including run. including the opposition that's coming to Kansas City this week. <laughs> the Eagles are a team that, yes, they will sit in a certain. The Chiefs are one of those teams where you watch them in every play. You have no that's idea. Why I like I like the Spagnolos. I like the, yeah. the Floreses of the world who, yeah. who I mean, mix it, things up. and It's, and it's like Anaromo and Cincy where Yeah, Romo, yeah. You know, they will – and the Chiefs, one thing they do – I genuinely think Baranavi in football this year, they disguise their coverages where they will they will put a safety at the line of scrimmage and on the snap the guy bails 30 yards and then you know and then Karloftis drops and they blitz a linebacker and a corner. I mean, it's just you have to be prepared with them for a lot of stuff as an opposing offense. They they will throw everything at you. All right. So let me ask you about the Chiefs' offense in a similar way. Doing something unexpected having the guts to change it on the fly, whatever. Coming into this game, we watch Eagles every single play of every single sure. game. We watch the Chiefs more so than we do. Who's going to be the team that uses hurry-up successfully? I don't think of either one of these teams as a hurry-up team, that they do it dictated by yeah. score and, and uh, where you are in the game and everything else. But just as a change of pace, catch the other team off guard, I don't think of either one of them that way. Is there a chance one of the two does that this weekend? I don't think I don't think so either. I don't. I mean, you know, here's here's one thing to consider for this. I don't know how you guys feel. Maybe you'll feel like this is dumb, but I I truly believe this might happen in this game. Normally, you get an AFC team and an NFC team. You're not holding anything back, right? Because it's like, well, who cares? We're not going to see that team. What does it matter? They're not a team we'll see in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know that either one of these teams is going to show a whole hell of a lot. Empty the bucket? You're telling me neither like, one of them is empty in the bucket this no, week, Verderam? I, I think there's a very real chance that both of these teams are looking at each other going, you know what? Might not be the only time we play this year. Yeah. And both teams are in the one seed. Both teams are in very good position in their divisions. I wonder if this is a game a little bit where both Reed and Sirianni go, listen, we'd love to win. That'd be great. But we're not showing anything of real note in this game. Like, now, obviously, you have to take from the Super Bowl, but, you know, teams are different. Teams are different every year, different coordinators, stuff like that. I wonder in this game if you get a little bit of, you know what? 
Not going to show our best third down play here. Not going to show our best play in the red zone. Because right now, if you had to pick who's going to be in the Super Bowl, wouldn't it be these two teams? I mean, wouldn't it have yeah. to be? Right? Like, yeah. So how dumb would you feel if you show every single thing in this game and then in two months you're like, great, we just put the entire Super Bowl on tape for the other team. <laughs> I have a feeling – I think it's going to be a very good game. I think it'll be a very entertaining game. I don't think it's going to be a game where both coaches are just laying out an A-plus game plan's worth of stuff. I really don't. I think it's going to be a game where it's going to be, hey, look, we're trying everything we can to win, but we're not showing those 10 plays that we think will really work against you if we need them come February. Maybe I'm nuts, but that's my thought. On yeah, I've got a torn on that. Typically, I would agree with you, Matt. AFC games, inter, interconference games aren't as important as conference games, but this one's a little bit different. And the standpoint, you might see the opponent again down the road. But, man, the Eagles know how important uh, home field advantage is during the playoffs. The Chiefs at Arrowhead obviously know how important it is. Um, Andy coming off a bye. Um, it's, It's ironic, you know, Andy came into Kansas City when Nick was on the staff with Romeo Cornell that finished two and 14. And obviously Nick was out with the door, understandably so. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, I think it was the second year Nick called up Andy and said, dude, what's your secret on the bye week? And um, Andy was nice enough to give him some um, uh, advice and tell him to go to New York, I think, on vacation or <laughs> something of that nature. But um, I, I – Nick's a competitive guy, man. He did not like losing that Super Bowl. The Eagles thought they had the better football team. Um, they thought they beat themselves, yada, yada, yada. A lot of teams think that when they lose. But I think it's a little bit more than a normal interconference game, at least for one side. Maybe not the Chiefs. I don't know. But for the Eagles. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, there's, there's definitely – look, these are two great teams. I mean, there, there's definitely a pride factor, number one. Sirianni was fired from the Chiefs. Reed was fired from the Eagles. I mean, there is definitely a level of, like, you want to win this football game. Don't get me wrong. I think both teams, they want to win. I, is it probably more personal for Philly? Yeah. I mean, after last year, sure. Sure it is. But I guess my point is, if you're the Eagles or the Chiefs in this game, there has to be a little bit in your back of your mind, like, we might see this team again. And so do you just lay it all out? There? Maybe you do. Maybe you say, look, you know, we want to make a statement in this game. We want to show, you know, we want to win this game by two touchdowns. And we want to prove a point. Maybe you also feel like, look, if we don't play our A-plus game plan, we're going to get blown out by the other side. You know, if they decide. So, th- I mean, look, that that is all in play. I'm not saying for sure it's going to happen. My point is just I do think you consider the idea you might see each other again. I remember last year in the Bengals and Kansas City played in Cincinnati in, in the regular season. The Chiefs, if you go back and watch that tape, which I know, I mean, why would you at this point? The Chiefs showed nothing on defense. Spagnolo played a cover two shell the entire game. The entire game. They didn't, they didn't change. They didn't blitz once. They sat there the whole game. And then they saw him in the AC Championship game. And I don't think they played cover two once the entire night. They blitzed all night long. They played a bunch of different coverages. It'll be interesting. I think this is a fascinating game. Because both teams off the bye, you're going to have new wrinkles. You're going to have some different personnel groupings. Of course, the Eagles have to adjust now. They don't have Goddard this week. So that matters. I mean, you're going to have to change some things on offense. Um, I would expect the Chiefs, 
who have been playing their like all their receivers quite a bit in a rotation. I think that's going to get shortened and pared down starting this week. So you're going to see some adjustments for sure. I think it's a great game. I, I'm I'm covering it fresh eye at Arrowhead. I'll be there Monday night. Nice. I can't wait to cover that game. Last one for me, Maddie. And uh, this is unfortunately pointing out a potential legal weakness. They think it'll be solved because Bradley Roby will be in the lineup this week. We don't know that yet, but we're assuming that. And they picked him off the scrap heap, and he played a couple of good games for him. He's got all of 50 snaps under his belt, but somehow he's going to cure the ills of the Eagles cornerbacks in the slot, which have not worked good. Who's going to be the key guy coming out of the slot for the Chiefs? We know that Kelsey's Kelsey, and he's going to get mostly safety coverage would be my guess. I don't think the slot corner is going to come much. So it's either big safety. Eagles linebackers aren't great in coverage, so it better be Blankenship or uh, uh, the – safety that they just acquired which means somebody's gonna have to cover one of those chief wide receivers coming out of the slot who's that gonna be who's their biggest threat as a slot wide receiver you know i'd love to give you a straightforward answer jerry they, they put everybody there Every, they just they move just guys I mean, in it'll, and out. Be, it'll be mccall hardman one play it'll be rasheed rice the next play it'll be travis kelsey the next play it'll be noah gray who by the way is one player that eagles fans should be somewhat aware of because he is somebody they don't play him a ton but when they do like they'll go they'll throw the ball downfield to him They'll throw the ball 30, 35 yards down the field to the back of tight end. And he's, he's athletic enough he can do it. So um, he's somebody to, you know kind of watch. It's like a, a, a bit player. But, you know, yeah, they'll, they'll rotate in everybody. I mean, Kadarius Toney, you know, who's, who's done nothing this year. But Andy just finished talking about it yesterday, how they basically tried to not play him for eight weeks because he's coming off knee surgery. How much of that is just trying to protect the fact that it hasn't been good this year? I don't know. Um, but, I mean, to me, guys, this game comes down to one thing. It comes down to up front. Period. And just, I mean, that that is going to be the game. Beef the on Eagles, beef. Always does. Always does. Up Eagles front. That's up why front. the Eagles build the way they do. And by the way, where'd they get that from, Matt? Andy Reid. <laughs> in in a lot of ways, they're very similar teams. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs and the Eagles, you can make a real argument. If you're talking about both sets of lines, they're the two best sets of lines in the NFL. I mean, both teams up front have all pros all over the place. Whoever wins that battle is going to win. You know, I mean, that that really, I think, is probably it. If the Eagles can't get home again and Mahomes has time, probably plays well. They probably score some points. If the Eagles can protect Hurts as they did in the Super Bowl and he's got all day, he's probably going to throw it all over the place, even with the secondary players that Chiefs have because the Eagles are just that good. Um, which team wins up front? Whoever does that is walking out of Arrowhead very happy on Monday night. All right, I lied. Now I got one more thing because you went there. Um, you're a Chicago guy these days, used to be Kansas City guy, traveling back to Kansas City to cover it this week. Have you done your seven-day forecast yet? Do you know what the weather's going to be like on Monday? Well, tell I me don't. I have no, no idea. Gonna... I looked it up last night. Now this is, again, seven days in advance, so who the hell knows? That's why I didn't look it up, seven yeah. days in advance. No. <laughs> very, very high chance of rain all day on Monday. Okay. From morning through night, not heavy downpours, but chance of showers all 24 hours, which means another slick field between the Chiefs and the Eagles, which <laughs> was unfortunately part of last year's Super Bowl. I was looking for perfect, pristine playing conditions, made the best line and or speed win. 
We might not even get that on Monday. Now, I hope Johnny Mac playing Weatherman is 100% freaking wrong. But that was what I looked up last night. So bring bring a slicker with your burden, Ram, when you mm. go to uh, Kansas City. I know you know how to dress for the weather there, but uh, you might be getting some rain. I'll see you there, Matt, if I can get there. We'll see. All right. Well, hey, you let me know. I'll uh, meet up. I'll get some barbecue. I am going to load up. How's the Kansas City uh, output on the uh, press box? Johnny Mac likes to rate the nothing better than the Cowboys. He's looking forward. He's Not got that circled on the calendar. Jerry's got fine. the best. The food is, the food is I would I say. I see that reaction. They have no chance. To, to but I got to tell you, see, but I, I don't care in Kansas City because I go barbecue, out beforehand yeah. and I yeah. eat so much that I can't possibly That's eat. That's good eat point. more at the press box. That's good right. point. Go he to knows- go- he knows Go the joints in KC the same way he knows the Chiefs. That's why we have him on. Matty V, always a pleasure, buddy. Thank you very much for jumping in. Take care, Thanks, guys. Man. Safe yep. travels to Kansas City. Matt Verderam from Sports Illustrated here with us on Birds 365. Always a good spot. Quickie timeout. Come back. Put a bow on the show on Birds 365. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program assures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN.
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All right, we ran a little late with Matty V, so Johnny Mac, uh, we got time for one question before we get ready for Billy C and the Power Hour. Um, I won't ask you to give me your source, but do you have a source that you could go to today and ask, since no Eagles practice, nothing, uh, Monday night, everything gets pushed back to a Monday schedule, so nothing today, to give you a potential heads up on Evans as to whether he's going to, if they're even going to open his practice window. Uh, we're speculating that Jurgens gets back this week and is back in the lineup, but nobody knows about Evans yet. You said you haven't seen Evans leading up to the bye week. So you got a source to tell you uh, more yay than nay on Evans as to whether he's going to play this weekend or not? Um, no, because I've been asking that for a couple, uh, couple weeks because I haven't seen him. I've asked that a couple times when, you know, basically, because as you talk about the IR rules, it's, you know, four games minimum doesn't mean you're only going to be on there for four games means you have to be on there for four games. So there's all kinds of injuries like Nicobe Dean, ultimately, when they place him on IR, if it's a Liz Frank sprain, which has been reported six to eight week injury, typically. Um, so he's going to miss more than four games. Um, Evans, it's been, and that's why it's so weird. You know, typically you see guys, even when they don't want to talk, you see guys walking in, out of the locker room. I saw Cam Jurgens a lot. You know, um, I haven't seen Justin. I have not seen him even once. Um, so kind of a mystery. That one is kind of a mystery. That's why I was asking if you had a good super secret source. I did. He I, was on the practice field last week. So he working, was. Yeah, working um, on a side field on rehab. So that was a good indication that um, it's not too far away. Okay. Um, but um, if I were a betting man, I would say they're going to start his window. Um because it's three weeks um, this week. Um, that would be my guess. but And that's only because he was on the practice field, um, working on a side field with trainers. So that's an indication he's not terribly far off. We shall see this week. And hopefully uh, Johnny Max source gives him something today on some of the Eagle players. Don't know if that's going to happen because they're not – uh, together as a group just yet. They haven't completely come out of the bye, but the Chiefs are just around the corner. We'll talk to Eagles Chiefs again tomorrow. I'll be here, Johnny Mac. How about you? You in for a Wednesday uh, Eagle Fest? Yeah, let's do it. McDonald and McMullen back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking.
talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.